The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Outside the Huddle, featuring your host, Lemont Williams, with John Inglesby. This program is a great resource for players making career transitions, as well as a place to discuss this week's top sports stories. Now, here are your hosts, Lemont Williams and John Inglesby. Voice America, welcome back to another week of Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Network. I'm Lemont Williams, and my co-host is... John Inglesby. And to join the show, the contact information is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email us at Sports at yahoo.com. John, 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 what's going on up there in Boston, man? Uh, how you feeling today? <laughs> well, the city is just absolutely electric. Haven't seen it this way in a long, long time. Uh, you know, Lakers, Celtics, uh, you know, Nobody's talking about Game Six. I mean, that, that might as well be ancient history. You know, the Lakers blowing out the Celtics last night. The com- total focus, 100%, is on Game Seven. All the history, of course, and uh, pragmatically speaking, you know, the fact that within the past few hours it came out that Kendrick Perkins will not play. No surprise, yeah. given how he went down last night. But yeah, well, John, let me go. Let me go and set the table for the show. We go. We're gonna roll right into Boston a little bit here. Let me. Let the listeners know what we have on deck today for the show. Today's show, John and I will go around the NFL like we do every week. We'll talk about this week's headlines and storylines. We'll discuss the USC two-year NCAA ban and also break down the Big 12 conference changes here from this last past week. Invite four-time NBA champion, former, former Boston Celtics center, Robert the Chief Paris, to the show. But first, John, let's go ahead and jump right back into the NBA Finals, uh, recapping Game 4 and 5 in Boston, as well as Game 6 in L.A. last night. Game 4, John, Boston was able to steal another win, winning in 96-89, to tying up the series 2-2. Two to two. The big three contributed for the most part. However, big baby Davis, John, continued to come of age with that much-needed bench play. He scored 18 points in the fourth quarter. John, why is big baby Davis so successful during this series? Well, you know, he has just a unique, uh, a unique body build that uh, they're just not used to seeing, uh, you know, in the NBA. I mean, for a guy with uh, what I'll call a football body to have that kind of a soft touch around the basket, uh, you know, excellent shooter, passionate rebounder. I mean, he re- he's really willing to work. And, uh, you know, he has just... Uh, you know, I've been watching him for the past two, three years. I mean, he's very athletic. And, you know, again, he has a lot of grace and soft touch for such a big guy. And, uh, 
you know, he's had, you know, his ups and downs. He's an emotional kid. But uh, all in all, I mean, you know, he can, best of all, he produces his big moments. You'll remember he won a game in Orlando last year uh, with a winning shot at the buzzer. And, you know, the guy is not afraid of the big stage. And, you know, I think if you play for the Celtics, that's probably, you know, requirement number one. Yeah, that's definitely a key for him. His career is starting to take off. He's starting to grow up at the best time of his uh, of of the season, which is the playoffs slash NBA Finals. So uh, I've been a, really on the fence with him all this season, but now I'm becoming more a fan with his consistent play off the bench, and I think his, that added energy is needed for the Boston Celtics, which rolls over to Game 5. Boston steals another home victory with a 92-86 win. Kobe pretty much in Boston, three, three-day Boston trip was a one-man show, scoring 38 points in Game 5. But, uh, John, Game 5 playmaker, in my opinion, was Paul Pierce. He finally came, came to life this series. He scored 27 points, his best game this series. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah excuse me. Yes, Paul, uh, you, you know, Paul has to come up big. Um, you know, he is the straw that stirs the drink here in Boston. He was in 2008. He's been around for years, as we all know. And, uh, you know, it's not to the degree that Kobe is for the Lakers, but, you know, if the Celtics are going to win the NBA championship, he has to produce tomorrow night at a level similar to what he did in, uh, you know, in game five up here on Sunday night. And, he, you know, as he goes, so goes the, uh, really, so goes the Celtics. He has to bring them home. And uh, so it was very, very positive. Yeah, speaking um, about going home, L.A. finally made it back home in game six, and the table was exactly. set uh, last night in, in L.A., but L.A. came out on fire, hitting all cylinders. They steamrolled over the Celtics with a 22-point victory. Boston had the momentum for the most part, John, but it seems like early on in the game they, they lost. They didn't have any rhythm. No team chemistry. It's like they, they was trying to compete with that, with the L.A. type of style of play, playing a lot of individual play uh, basketball early on in the game, which they couldn't keep up and end up getting getting beat by 22 points. But, John, uh, here's, uh, here's, here's another thing I also noticed uh, from the game also is that L.A. offensively they was good, but defensively they was outstanding. Uh, they had outstanding team defense keeping the Celtics out of the paint slash the middle. I think they out-rebounded uh, uh, Boston uh, I think L.A. had more rebounds with 52 rebounds. Yeah, L.A. came to play last night. No question about it, and I give them all the credit. Uh, You know, they had to win last night's game. The Celtics did not have to win last night's game, and no matter, you know, what they said or even what they think, subconsciously I believe that, uh, you know, it's there in the back of their head that, you know, they didn't have to win. So L.A. come out. They were the more desperate team. Uh, they had to win, season on the line, and they played exactly like it. And the fact it was in the forum, in front of their home crowd, returning after two straight losses, you know, made them all the more passionate. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it really does come down to defense. It certainly is the Celtics' calling card. And, uh, you know, I think for the Lakers to win it, it's going to need to be their calling card tomorrow night. Oh, yeah, it's definitely set up for a marquee matchup Thursday night, primetime game, game seven, most beloved rival in the NBA between the Boston Celtics and the L.A. Lakers is going to come down to that game. And we're going to do our predictions, and we're going to talk more about game seven in our second segment when we have our special guest come on the line there, uh, Robert 
the Chief Parrish to come join us here and break down the NBA Finals. So let's talk about some other things in the NBA. Uh, we got the NBA Draft coming up. I've been wanting to talk about this the last couple of shows, but now we're able to squeeze this in, John. NBA Draft starts on the 20, 24th of this month. Uh, first and foremost, I want to give our condolences to the University of Texas uh, draft pick or uh, draftee Dexter Pittman. His his brother got killed here in Katy, Texas, outside of Houston. Oh my. Uh, so I want to kind of send his our condolences in there. That was a while back. I think it was last month his brother got killed. But uh, moving forward, the Washington Wizards end up getting their first getting the first pick in this NBA draft. Uh, everybody has the consensus pick of John Wall going number one. But John, outside of John Wall and Evan Thomas out of Ohio State. Uh, give me two guys that you think that's on your radar for us going to be drafted in the top ten. Well, I think, uh, you know, most people seem to think that Evan Turner will be drafted second behind Wall, but if there were uh, a, a, a choice that could go above uh, Turner would be, I think, you know, Derek Favors from Georgia Tech. Uh, you know, good player, to say the least. And then uh, the other... Uh, the other top pick will probably be the, uh, another Kentucky product, DeMarcus Cousins, who's uh, who's a beast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, both of them, you know, have uh, NBA written all over them. So I think those are probably going to be, you know, four out of the first five picks. Yeah, I like your style. I like the way you want the big guys. So I'm going to go ahead and continue with that with that theme or with that with that momentum you got. And the two guys I got, my prime, prime time draft picks I like uh Small port out of Syracuse. His name was Wesley Johnson. He's a Texas boy down here from Texas. He's a big guy, big frame guy, 6'8". And his game reminds a little bit of Joe Johnson out of Atlanta, his style of play. I think he'll be a great fit for the NBA and whatever team drafts him in the first round. My second guy, power four out of Georgetown, uh, Greg Morgan, um, outstanding guy from a good foundation school. John Thompson, Jr. is teaching him as well. His father's probably got some hands on him. Great upside. He's only 19 years old. And, and from the games I saw in the Big East last year, he was always around the ball, John. He was able to be around the ball at the right time at the right place. Uh, and he just he just has those soft hands. I think he would make an excellent draft pick for some team in the first round. So those are my two guys that I think that will be able to uh, make an impact in this draft coming up this month. I agree. I agree. Uh, you know, both of the players you just mentioned are in most of the top ten, uh, you know, predictions that I'm seeing. And, you know, it's, it's hard to believe it's next week. I mean, you, you know, we're also wrapped up in Lakers-Celtics that, you, you know, I think Doc Rivers said today, like, he didn't even know when the Celtics pick is. <laughs> you know, he, he's completely consumed, as he should be. But, you know, for these guys, again, it's just, you know, it's, it's right around the corner for these last two teams. Yeah, we're definitely seeing it. Hopefully our, my Houston Rockets here in Houston, Texas, will make a good pick as well uh, with the 15th selection. Hopefully they get somebody to kind of complimentary player to help Yao Ming as he would come back from his injury, uh, surgery foot from this past two seasons. But, uh, John, we're going to go ahead and break now because we've got a special guest coming up next. So we're going to break now. And when we come back, we're going to invite four-time NBA champion as well as Hall of Famer Boston Celtics uh, center Robert the Chief Paris to the show outside the huddle next on Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
The IS Outdoors Talk Radio Show brings two well-known outdoorsmen to the Voice America Network with hunting and fishing info news, talking about everything from new sporting gear, places to hunt and fish, and getting more from your recreation time. Join hosts Brock Ray and Don Kirk Thursday mornings at 7 a.m. Pacific Time for IS Outdoors on the Voice America Sports Channel. With their combined experience of 60 years in the woods, Brock and Don have traveled widely, creating TV shows and writing articles on hunting and fishing. Blessed with down-home humor, they are also well-versed in environmental concerns, firearms ownership, and animal rights issues. IS Outdoors offers brisk interaction with the audience, soliciting opinions and questions on a wide range of outdoors subjects. Tune in every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific time to the IS Outdoors Talk Radio Show with Brock Ray and Don Kirk, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration, which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern, with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're outside the huddle with Lemont Williams and co-host John Inglesby. Want a piece of today's action? Call into the show right now at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or you can drop a line to Sports at yahoo.com. Now let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williamson, co-host John Inglesby on the Voice America Sports Network. John, it's that segment where we invite active or former players to the to the show, and today we got a special guest. We got Robert Or I mean Robert, the Chief Pass joining us here tonight. Robert is uh, for the listeners out there. Robert, the Chief Pass, NBA four uh, time NBA champion, uh, basketball Hall of Famer, and uh, Robert, I want to say welcome to Outside the Huddle. Thank you for having me. Glad for you to be here. We're down here in Houston. Again, I'm in Houston, and John is up in Boston. So uh, I know you have roots down here on the Gulf Coast, so everybody's down here in the Gulf Coast checking out the show tonight to hear, hear their hometown guy or their area guy, Robert Parrish, on the line today. So, Robert, thanks for coming on the show. Let's go ahead and get, get started, Robert. Uh, uh, you're, you're certainly no stranger to the Game 7 situation. We've got the NBA Finals. Uh, everybody's been watching that here lately, and uh, you've been in Game 7 situations before, but uh, and having – the opportunity to win one back in '84, if my memory serves me correct. But uh, what do you expect tomorrow night uh, in Game Seven between the Boston Celtics and the Lakers? I think it's going to be uh, a very intense ball game by both sides. I think, obviously, the, the Lakers have the momentum, but I, I think the, the Celtics would definitely have a better showing. I think in Game Six, the Celtics played like uh, if we don't get it done tonight, we can get it done uh, in Game Seven. So I don't think they played with a sense of urgency and passion that would that would have taken to wrap things up. So I'm looking for a very competitive and passionate ball game from both sides. Okay, I know. Go ahead, John. 
Terrific, Robert. Uh, and this is John, uh, right up here in Boston, where I must tell you the uh, the city is absolutely electric, like I haven't seen it uh, probably since about 1984 in Game 7, uh, which I'm sure you remember well. And what are your uh, strongest memories of Game 7 and 84 26 years later? Uh, it was, uh, a, like I said, a, a very good ball game on both sides. I, I thought we... Uh, Came up a little short, obviously, because uh, I thought we was uh, <clears throat> had some injuries to play the part. But I, I thought it was a game played uh, well by both sides. And just as a quick follow-up to that, Robert, uh, mm-hmm. what, were, were you there when Cedric Maxwell said, jump on my back, boys, and I'll bring you home? Was that in the locker room before the game? Yes, yes it was. Uh, like I said, you know, nobody was playing particularly well. And uh, Cedric said, uh, just be patient. I'm going to get it done. Just get on my back, and I'm going to take us where we need to go. And I think that game uh, decided uh, the MVP. I think Cedric Maxwell was the MVP uh, of that series, yes. Okay, well, let's go ahead and reset for the listeners out there. We're talking with four-time NBA champion and Boston Celtics Hall of Famer, Robert the Chief Paris. Got a question for you, Robert. Uh, Boston had a couple of setbacks yesterday and uh, with the injury to Perkins as well as, uh, you know, some minor stuff going on there. Well, will that any carryover, will that injuries or things of that nature carryovers uh, from last night to uh, tomorrow's night game and game seven? Uh, I, I don't think it has any, any impact on, on game seven. I think momentarily it was a factor because obviously you're concerned about your teammate, but uh, everybody realized they got to play through adversity. And, and that's just another adversity that the Celtics got to play through. Uh, I think they're going to be mentally prepared to play without Perkins if he's not able to go. And I think they got a, enough personnel to get the job done. One thing about not having Perkins in the line, I mean, it's not a knock on Perkins because I think he, he, he plays a strong game, especially on the defensive end. I think they're going to be better offensively mm-hmm. with, that, with that Perkins. But it certainly is no slight on Perkins. I think he does a great job, and he's a tough competitor. Okay, I agree. And I do agree also, Robert. And it was just announced up uh, up here in Boston and, and everywhere that uh, within the past hour or two that Perkins definitely is not going to play tomorrow night. Uh, so they'll that just have to move forward without him. Uh, now, Robert, what do you think, uh, what will the players do on the day of Game 7? You know, what... Uh, Will, will, will there be practice, team activities, and you know what, what's going to be going through their mind as they uh, get to six o'clock East Pacific time tomorrow evening, game time? Well, if they if they do anything, it'd be a, a light shoot around. I don't think it's going to be a, a heavy practice. Maybe go to the gym, you know, just to get out of bed, get out of the hotel, go uh, shoot some free throws, take some jump shots, you know, maybe watch a little film. But the main thing is just be ready to play because at this point in time, you don't need practice. You know, you just got to be ready to play because it's just going to boil down to wheels. I don't think it's a question of skills right now. It boils down to which team wanted the most. That's what it's going to boil down to. Who takes care of the basketball? Who had the fewer turnovers? Who run there, the offense uh, precisely? Played together as a team and get it done on both ends. That's who's going to win the ball game. It doesn't matter where you're playing at home or on the road. If you're not playing well, you're not going to get it done. So it's yeah. important to bring you a game tomorrow night. 
And uh, let's go and reset for the listen. We're talking with four-time NBA champion, Boston Celtic Hall of Famer, Robert the T. Paris. And what leads into my next question, right, we made a good point, saying it comes down to will. It's not about coaching at this point in game seven. So who do you expect uh, to step up tomorrow night and lead their team to the title or perhaps win this wide-open finals MVP trophy? Well, I have said all along before the series started that the Celtics are winning in seven because I think the Celtics is a better team, one through 12. Mm-hmm. I think they have the best talent, and I think that's why the Celtics will prevail. I think it's important not only for the big three, but the big four, including Rondo. Mm-hmm. I think he, he makes, uh, uh, makes the, that team complete, makes them go, makes them click. And I think he's one of the main reasons why the Celtics are in the finals today. So it's imperative that they get a strong effort from the big four and also the bench has to play well also. But I look for the Celtics taking it tomorrow night. You got the Celtics taking it. Would you, who you, if the Celtics win, who you have won uh, the MVP, Rondo? Yes. Okay. I think Rondo is MVP. MVP. Definitely. Okay. Ron, with, all due respect, with due respect to the big three. <laughs> I, I agree with that. I think Rondo, you, you know, Pierce has to, you know, play a, a Paul Pierce game, but, you, you know, Rondo's running the show. So I, I agree uh, that he, he's the engine, no question. Robert, what does uh, Celtic, the Celtics-Lakers rivalry mean to you? Here we are. Tomorrow night's going to be the fifth Lakers-Celtics game seven, all, all to decide its world championship. And, uh, so what do Celtics-Lakers mean to you? Well, I, I think that rivalry uh, speaks volumes about the players. I think the players make that rivalry. It started, goes back to Russell Chamberlain when Russell, I mean, when Chamberlain was with the uh, 76ers, that's when that rivalry really started. And then when Chamberlain went to the Lakers, and also the rivalry continued with Bird Magic and Kareem and Worthy and myself and Kevin and Dennis Johnson and company. And now you've got the current Lakers and, and Celtics which are covering out their own legacy. Uh, I think that the rivalry is, is very hot, strong, and, and compassionate, and, and I think it's going to continue for years to come. That's terrific. Uh, yeah, now, um, today uh, on TV and watching some interviews, I noticed that Doc Rivers and Paul Pierce seemed, you know, just particularly loose, almost jovial. And, of course, we all saw Doc kind of laughing at the, uh, on the bench last night uh, with just a few minutes to go in the blowout. What do you make of that? I thought it was a good sign, actually. That means they're loose, they're confident. And one thing you, the Celtics nor the Lakers don't want to happen in Game 7 is coming out too tight, too tense, too wound up. You want to play loose and relaxed. And just and just play your game. And you mentioned so that. I, I feel like it was a good sign that they was relaxed. They didn't take the loss too seriously. Even though they wanted to wrap it up, they didn't, they didn't get it done. And, they, and the saving grace about that, there will be another game. Oh, yeah. It'll definitely be another game. And, and Robert, I got, I got a question for you as well. You was pretty much known as a versatile center as well as you played in more games than any other player in NBA history at center for the Boston Celtics throughout your career. Uh, with other teams, uh, talk about Kevin Garnett uh, a little bit. Uh, does this game who does this game remind you of, and and how much of an impact did he bring to the organization as well as the Boston Celtics team the last couple of years? Oh, he is is a, a one hell of a talent. Uh, who he reminds me of, 
I think it reminds me a little bit of, of Evan Hayes to me. Okay. The Big E. Mm-hmm. I think he reminds me of Evan Hayes a little bit. Uh, he, he definitely, uh, I think he brings passion. I, I think he brings leadership. Uh, I think he brings energy. And I think he sets the tone for, for how Boston is going to play, especially on the defensive end. I think that's where Boston has really improved is on the defensive end when they brought Kevin in. I think he definitely is the anchor of their defense. And, and uh, games one through four, I thought, I thought the Celtics played some very suffocating defense. Even though they, they, did, they wasn't rewarded with the win, but I thought they played some very strong defense. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that defense aspect is at their strongest point. Uh, it seems I have stated in the first segment uh, when we kicked off the show, I thought that they tried to compete with their with the L.A. Lakers page yesterday and they're playing more individual basketball than team, and they're more team-concept-driven uh, 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 team, and then it just it got out of hand early. And with the bench play of the L.A. Lakers, uh, before you know it, they were down 20 points and they lost by 22. Oh, yeah, to be honest, Boston didn't show up. Just, just be honest. Mm-hmm. They played poorly in Game Six. Yeah, so I think they were obvious by the score. They didn't come to play. Oh yeah, it definitely showed on the court. But I have no doubt that that will not be repeated tomorrow night. I really think the Celtics are going to come to play, just like you stated earlier. Uh, they're going to be ready. I just think that veteran leadership is going to be huge tomorrow night. Oh, I think so too. Uh, Boston played played last night. Like they knew they had another game if they don't get it done in game six. That's the way they played. Exactly. So uh, I don't think they played with, with the urgency that they needed to get things wrapped up. They just kind of kind of basically went through the motions like, well, we don't get it done tonight. You know, we got a game seven. That's the way they played to me. Terrific. Uh, now, Robert, real quickly, I saw you on NBA TV earlier this year, and uh, it sounds like are you getting into some – Broadcasting these days. I know you're based down in, uh, in in Charlotte, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I, I am I am trying to get in the front door to do a little bronc broadcasting. So hopefully things will work out for me. Terrific. Well, we Excellent. definitely always take care of you over here at Voice America Sports Network. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to look at our network. Uh, we had an opportunity. We we bring a lot of active and former players onto the network, uh, and that's how I got my opportunity on this network to, to start my own show outside the huddle. It's just an opportunity for me, uh, myself, and John to get on here and, and just discuss sports each week. And uh, I didn't know that you wanted to get into broadcasting, but that's that same field I'm trying to get into being a former football player and John a, a sports writer. So uh, uh, we welcome you to the network if, if everything works out uh, for you as far as trying to get into the, into the broadcasting industry. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And 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 Chief, your mommy called you the Chief because that's what I grew up watching you uh, as a little kid calling you the Chief. So uh, I'm gonna start calling you the Chief. So Chief, uh, I want to thank you, man, uh, for taking time out your busy schedule tonight. I know you got a lot going, got a lot of interviews, being a Hall of Famer, and, and with Boston going to Game Seven to discuss the NBA Finals. And uh, I wish you much success this year, and uh, good luck on your broadcast endeavors. And and uh, we, we'll check back with you uh, shortly here, knowing that now that I know that you want to get into this broadcast thing, maybe you can start getting getting the wheels going and cutting your teeth on this network. Thank you much. Lamont and John, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. And thank uh, no you, problem. Robert. There's no one else we would have rather spoken to the night before Game 7 of Celtics Lakers than you. We appreciate thank it. Thank you much. And good luck to the both of you. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, you as well. 
After this break, John, we'll come back and talk college football as well as other uh, headlines and storylines from this past weekend. Next on Outside the Huddle with Lee Mark Williams and co-host John Inglesby on the Voice America Sports Network. School to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. We some hard hitters. We some hard hitters. Hard hitting radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard-hitting radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Network. Looking for a top show about horse racing and handicapping? Looking to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies website where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. Listen for top plays for the weekend in the spot play of the week and win prizes just for listening. Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer is live Thursdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Network. Football and so much more is the focus of Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson. Join the former Arizona Cardinals running back for a show that mixes, well, a little bit of everything. Damian brings to the program life experiences playing football and will talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field. The goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams and co-host John Inglesby. Want a piece of today's action? Call into the show right now at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or you can drop a line to Sports at yahoo.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams and co-host John Inglesby. On the Voice America Sports Network. John, we can go ahead and move from the NBA Finals. Uh, I'm just going to let that table be set for tomorrow, and we're going to talk about that next week. But let's go ahead and talk about some other hard sports topics from this past week, and we can't start without talking about the NCAA football. A lot has been going on, a lot of musical chairs was going on, a lot of teams and jumping from one conference to the other. And let's go ahead and start with one team that kicked it all off this past week was Nebraska. Nebraska was applied and was approved last week by the Big Ten Conference. The Big Ten Council slash presidents, chancellors, and everybody voted, gave them more than eight votes to approve this admission. John, Nebraska, like I just stated, made this first move 
far as starting this wildfire of teams going from different conferences. Uh, was you surprised of this move, and, and was you surprised that the Big Ten welcomed Nebraska into their conference? Well, you know, it's been the week to end all weeks and reshaping the college sports landscape. Uh, as you know, I've mentioned several times, I grew up a half an hour from Penn State, and I remember the shock when Penn State joined the Big Ten. I'll never forget it, ever. And uh, so, yeah, I have to think that, you know, there's probably a lot of that going on out in, in Nebraska. I was pretty surprised, uh, you know, when I when I first heard it, I mean, once the you know once the process got rolling, it just appeared inevitable. But uh, you know, it's just again, it's, it represents a sea change. I mean, Nebraska geographically and everything is you know a pretty good fit, and certainly the quality of their program. I mean, you, you know, it feels like a Big Ten program, as did you, you know Penn State, as far as mm-hmm. quality and history, shall we say? Yeah, I think it's a good match for Nebraska uh, going to the Big Ten. Big Ten is more smash mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, football type of conference. You have big O linemen. You have you know big backs. Eddie George came out of there. Those guys like to run up north and south and smash. I think it's a pretty good fit for them to fall in. I think also Tom Osborne, the uh, legendary coach there, and now the AD for the school is trying to move in a different direction, trying to revive revive that team, that that organization, that institution uh, back to where he had in the early nineties with Tommy Frazier. I think he did a as an AD, he's trying to give them opportunities to be on the platform to be successful. I think they got overshadowed by the success of Texas and OU, and it was a, it was a, a wise, smart move for uh, for the AD Tom Osborne to make that move into the Big Ten, and I think they'll be successful uh, starting I think 2012. I agree wholeheartedly, Lemont. Uh, you know, they're a Big Ten style of play team, to say the least. But one team that didn't go to the Big Ten ended up going out west, and that's the Colorado Buffaloes. They moved from the Big 12 to the Pac-10, following the lead of the, their former uh, conference mates, uh, Nebraska Huskies. They moved to the Pac-10. It was announced last week that Colorado would be moving. Colorado also is a natural geographic, has a natural geographic relationship uh, with the Pac-10 as far as, as far as location. They're not that far from the West Coast. And, uh, John, this is, you know, the Pac-10 first expansion since, I guess, uh, 1978. Give me your thoughts on the Buffalo's move to the West Coast now, leaving the Big 12. Well, again, you know, I rate it right behind Nebraska as far as an impact move in the world of college football. Uh, you, you know, Colorado has a fairly storied history as well. And uh, it's tough to keep it all straight. I mean, the Big 10 now has 12 teams. The Big 12 now has 10 teams. And, frankly, I don't know how many teams the, the Pac-10 now has, the Pac-whatever now has. I think it's <laughs> maybe 11. But uh, I, I think Colorado will be a good fit. Um, you know, again, geographically, you know, they're, they're out there. And, uh, again, you know, just a terrific rich history with that program to go with all the other programs uh, in the Pac-10. And I think it's going to make for, you know, some wonderful new rivalries. Yeah, it's another team that was on the bottom of the barrel, the Big 12, that got hit with a lot of scandals yep. uh, in the late 90s and trying to revive, pump some life back into their program. And, again, uh, any opportunity for your team or your institution to be competitive is always a good move in my in my opinion. So uh, I don't see anything wrong with Nebraska or Colorado move, um, moving from uh, the Big 10 to the uh, Pac-10. But there's also uh, once two teams leave, leaves another conference in the bind, that conference is the Big 12, which they stated this week with their press conference that the University of Texas 
and Oklahoma will stay and keep that, that conference alive and kicking. Texas and Oklahoma will remain as well as nine other schools. John, what changed the Longhorns' mind or decision to stay in the Big 12? Well, as these things always come down to, it was money. Somehow, some way, you know, the Big 12 was able to uh, convince Texas that they could make more money by staying. And, you know, with all the news that occurred in the past week or two and all the buildup of all this, the, the news that truly stunned me uh, was when Texas chose not to go to another conference and to stay in the Big 12. Um, and also, you know, what I found really particularly interesting as, as the backdrop and part of the reason they will make more money is, is they're going to start, you know, uh, their own Texas television network. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you would know better than me. You're down there. But, I mean, they, they, they certainly have the goods to, to be their own network, no question. Yeah, I think Texas slated to make somewhere $20 million annually uh, from this new uh, negotiational deal for standing in the Big 12. And for the most part, Texas and, and, and OU is the bloodline of the conference. Yep. It's only right for them to find a way to stay there. Uh, going out to the West Coast will be a stretch for the Texas fan because they travel in packs. Uh, you know, down here in Houston, and I've been to a couple games in Austin, and they uh, that their fan base is thick. It's, 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 it's very, you know, you go out to the game, you see number bird orange. Yeah. So um, uh, the fact that they're staying is also a, a positive for a lot of local fans that can't travel uh, to different states to go see their team play. Um, well, we've got one more school uh, we failed to mention that made a made a move uh, under the radar from everybody else, and that was Boise State. Uh, they announced that they're moving from the WAC Conference, which they dominated for the last decade, to the Mountain West. Uh, Mountain West Conference started about 11 years ago for all the listeners out there and has been a very successful conference uh, with teams in there like um, uh, TCU and, and other, other teams within the conference. So that sets up my question, John. Now that the Broncos are on the move, do you think that they will give TCU a run for their money or as far as bringing extra competition to that conference? Oh, absolutely. I, I, I mean, I think Boise State – Proved in what may be the greatest game ever played when they beat Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl. That uh, you, you, obviously they're for real. They're a huge, big-time program, and uh, they can play with anybody in the country. So they were, you, you know, they in my mind they go right to you know the top of even one of the conference favorites, uh, and, and them and TCU. Given TCU's fabulous season, uh, you know, could be an instant rivalry. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned big time, and we got—I guess we got to go there. Let's talk about a big time program out in the West Coast, and that's the USC Trojans. Uh, unless you were sleeping on the rock last week, USC Trojans was was hit with the NCAA sanction, uh, sanctions last week for a two-year postseason ban. Uh, they lost more than 20 scholarships and forfeited wins from the 04 season. John, this is the first time. Uh, well, John, no BCS football program had ever been banned from postseason play over seven years uh, from the NCAA. Do you think the Trojans program will recover? I do. I do. Um, you know, let's not forget that before Pete Carroll, they had, you know, a number of down years, but they are, again, one of the, uh, you know, quintessential American football programs. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'll be very, very honest. You know, this one hits close to home. Uh, Pete Carroll used to live in, uh, when he coached the Patriots, lived in my suburban town of Medfield, Massachusetts, right outside Boston, and uh, where he is highly, highly thought of. I've interviewed him, and in fact, in March, I chatted with him for a few minutes at the NFC 
coaches breakfast during the NFL owners meetings in Orlando, and you know, I and, and everybody in, in Medfield, Mass, thinks very highly of Pete, and he did a number of things in the community that were wonderful. So, that said, it's just uh, you know, it, it did happen under his watch, and of course, you know, then now he's up in Seattle, and he's very excited to be there, but. This is just, you know, a stunning development. I mean, between O.J. Mayo and, and Reggie Bush, they've both been rumored for so long. You knew the hammer was coming, but it came down worse than yeah. anybody could have expected. But I think USC, you know, can recover, uh, but it's all in Lane Kiffin's lap now. Yeah, I, I think uh, USC will be able to bounce back. You stated earlier that the program was down before Pete Carroll uh, they'll they'll bounce back. Uh, they'll take a hit right now with recruiting. Uh, and I also read where a couple of players and they transfer to different schools. And UCLA is on the on the come up, so they're they're not too right. far from that campus. So they're definitely sitting there with their mouth wide open, waiting for players to to walk for out sure. of the USC program. But uh, you mentioned Rick personal top. You mentioned Coach personal Rick Neuheisel. Top. Yeah, uh, Rick uh, Neuheisel. And you had mentioned you had mentioned personal ties with Pete Carroll, and that that rolls into our last topic before our next break. I'm going to talk about a guy I have personal ties with. That's Oliver Luck. Uh, for the listeners out there, Oliver Luck has accepted the uh, uh, West Virginia AD job, athletic director job. A little history on Oliver Luck. He was the former Mountaineers quarterback, and he's now the current Houston Dynamo soccer team general manager. And, uh, you know, like I just stated, John, uh, Oliver Luck was an all-time uh, passing leader. I think he's fourth on the list for uh for the Mountaineers, he played five years in the NFL for the Oilers. In addition to that, uh, he's just a personal friend of mine. I actually met him when I was uh, first person I met. Sat down, had lunch with him when I was done playing football, and I moved here to Houston. And Oliver welcomed me with open arms and kind of showed me the ropes here in Houston, as far as from the business side and, and, and the sports side. And uh, I think Oliver is a real big asset for that Mountaineers program. And I think they, with his track record, I really believe that he'd be very successful soon. Well, I agree, and wow, I, uh, that's fascinating because I also have uh, a bit of a personal tie to Oliver Luck in that I covered him uh, when he was the quarterback at West Virginia University. I worked at a newspaper in Fairmont, West Virginia, half an hour from Morgantown, and I covered the Mountaineers for two years during his stay and what I always remember about him and why I know he'll do a good job. Uh, he's very smart and, and was, in fact, a Rhodes Scholar finalist. And, you know, very cerebral, and, uh, you know, his son is now the quarterback at Stanford. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's and a great guy. He, he really is a great guy. I interviewed him a few times in the locker room immediately following Mountaineer games, and uh, I, I thought it was just a terrific, yeah. terrific choice. And we wish, we wish Oliver all success this year, as well as other success that he has with the Houston Dynamo. John, it's that music, so it's time for us to take a break. When we come back, we'll go around the NFL, talk about different headlines and storylines from this past week. On Outside the Huddle with Lee Mark Williams and co-host John Inglesby on the Voice America Sports Network. to the pros we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports 
Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. The Sports Mavericks show redefines the elite athlete by bridging the gap between parents, athletes, and the community. Host Ida Moyer, a.k.a. the Oprah of sports, brings to the Voice America Network original programming, balancing the pursuit of academic excellence and sports participation. The Sports Mavericks show airs every Tuesday evening at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Listeners will be engaged in straightforward talk, spontaneous and unscripted by the experts. Ida and her guests will explore the challenges of success and failure in sports and will help athletes and their parents navigate the transition from high school, college, and then on to the pros. We put fun back into sports and recognize role models in sports through our Sports Mavericks All-Star Award program. Tune in Tuesday evenings at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time with Ida Mouillet and the Sports Mavericks Show right here on the Voice America Sports Channel. It's football, pop culture, and everything in between. Get ready for the game plan with Anthony Heron, a.k.a. Big Ant. Anthony has a background in college and professional football and brings the player, coach, and broadcaster perspective to this weekly roundup of the top sports news and events. Big Ant wants to hear from you, too. Tune in to the game plan with Anthony Heron every Tuesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Sports Channel. It's game time. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're outside the huddle with Lemont Williams and co-host John Inglesby. Want a piece of today's action? Call into the show right now at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or you can drop a line to Sports at yahoo.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams and co-host John Inglesby. On the Voice America Sports Network. John, it's our last segment, and we had an explosive show today. Started off strong, so let's finish up strong. Hopefully, like the Boston Celtics would do tomorrow night in Game 7. So, uh, we're going to go around the NFL and talk different headlines and storylines from this past week. And we always start off with quarterbacks the last couple of weeks, and this week it's no no exception. But we're starting off with some bad news, or really not bad news, just troubling news. Uh, Vince Young got into a strip club incident up in Dallas around 3 a.m. in the morning. I was caught on video, uh, kind of going to have an altercation with uh, uh, an employee at the club. was issued a Class C assault citation, which is for the listeners out there is punished up to. It's kind of like a traffic violation, and you're a minor, but it, you can be punished up to uh, $500. But, uh, John, this incident, uh, in my opinion, was kind of, you know, uh, you know, really childish. It was over, you know, disrespecting the Longhorn sign or, or, or 
got me a gesture of uh, UT sign, and, and it just showed immaturity on Venture on part. But uh, I got a question for you. Knowing that the way you know our commissioner works, Roger Goodell works, do you think that he will punish Vince Young for these actions? I, I think not. Uh, you know, I, I, Vince, and it's always something with Vince. That's the problem with him. But that said, uh, I think that, you know, he came out and instantly apologized to his teammates, the organization, the public in general, the fans. And so I think that's probably going to uh, cause Roger Goodell to let this one slide. But uh, I got the feeling he's going to be on a uh, double secret probation. Well, I'm going to disagree with you on that one, John. I, I think that with the you know the body work of Roger Goodell and the way he stands for is the shield. Anything outside of the shield will be punished, in my opinion. And we learned that down at the Super Bowl uh, meeting and greeting our, uh, Mr. Goodell and going to a couple of his press conferences. That yep. I really think he's going to look into. I know they're looking into it. However, I think uh, the videotape was a little bit over the top. The fact that he was only uh, hit with a citation. I think it's not going to be so severe as uh, Roethlisberger, but I think he has to. Either he's going to hit him with a couple of games or he's going to hit him in the pockets where it hurts the most as a player, especially with the potential lockout in 2011. I think uh, Mr. Goodell is going to find, or Commissioner Goodell is going to find a way to kind of set an example for Vince Young because there's a pattern here. I mean, uh, last year we had the you know, missing in action, his mom, and everybody was looking for him. He's at his oh, yeah. house. And, uh, you know, sign of, you know, just showing consistent signs of immaturity. And I think Mr. Goodell needs to step in to kind of show, okay, um, you know, if you want to be in that leadership position, you need to act like a leader at all times, especially 3 o'clock in the morning at a strip club. Yeah, well, you know, the first thing I thought of when I heard this story was Santonio Holmes on the airplane back a couple months ago where he wouldn't turn off his iPod. And then when he walked out of the airplane into the airport, he was, you know, uh, met by police officers and all that. Yeah. And, and, quote, incident report was filed, which I'm guessing is a step below a, a citation. But anyway, that's what I thought of. So it, it, I, I'm, like you, I'm very interested to see which way the commissioner will, will go on this. Yeah, I definitely will see. But uh, speaking of interesting, I'm very interested to see how this, this situation, stay with the, tech, uh, the Titans and see how this situation plays out with Chris Johnson in the front office of the Tennessee Titans, all pro Chris Johnson is campaigning for all the listeners out there for a new contract. Uh, he stated this past week that he likes his team and he's not mad at anybody right now with his current situation because he's holding out and he's back in Florida working out. But John, uh, Johnson, you know, was outstanding last year. You know, he led the NFL uh, with over 200 or with over 2,000 yards rushing, and, and he's due $500,000 a year on his base salary. In the 2010 season, uh, how you know how will this contract negotiation slash situation play out uh, this summer for Chris Johnson? In your opinion, well, you know he actually landed in Nashville today, apparently for for a uh, football camp of sorts that he's involved with, and he uh, he just put the muzzle on the entire situation. He would not answer any questions. So I think you know uh, he's never been any you know outspoken in the past so i'm guessing that he he has said enough and or you know his actions will now have said what he wants them to say and that now it's going to uh you know just get handled pretty much behind closed doors uh yeah. you know as far as the contract negotiations uh, i mean i He's worth more than five hundred thousand. That's for sure. <laughs> He's definitely worth more than five hundred thousand dollars, and I think he loses in this situation. I think that 
uh, Tennessee Titans is an organization that is real firm in the front office, and I think he loses. I think he 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 will lose money for the mini camp. However, he's not dumb enough to miss training camp, so I think he's he will come back and accept the fact um, that uh, that he has to be paid five hundred k this year. But with the success of this season, I think he's expecting a big payday. Hopefully, we don't have a lockout in twenty ten season. Uh, we go from one guy that's having issues or holding out from a contract to a guy that got a big payday last year and was labeled the $100 million man. And that's a uh, uh, defense alignment for the Washington Redskins. Currently, Washington Redskins, Albert Hainsworth. Albert Hainsworth, you know, established, uh, kind of stated this week that he wanted to be traded, making demands. And the Redskins is kind of going in a new direction and established a new regime. So that scheme on the new coach, Mike Shanahan, and all pro D linemen. Albert Hainsworth is very unhappy uh, with his new role now in the 3-4 defense. John, uh, the Redskins was 4-12 and last year. We heard, you know, and we hear players every year covering the media side of sports say that it will not affect their team. However, Hainsworth is an asset on the defense. Do you think trading him will set back the Redskins uh, uh, this season? You know, I, I, don't, I, I don't think so. I, uh, it's been a bad match from day one. From the minute he signed that contract, it's been nothing but trouble between he and the Redskins for whatever reason. And now we're into our second administration, if you will, with Shanahan now being the coach. And, you know, here we go again. More problems. And, uh, you, you know, uh, it looks like teammates on the Redskins are not backing Hainsworth, which is practically unheard of in the world of professional yeah. sports. I mean, when you see that, you really have to. That gets your attention. Yeah. So, and just, but, so I, 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 I wouldn't at all be surprised to see him gone. Shanahan will not tolerate this uh, yeah, I from, just, from it's the too, beginning. Too, it's a selfish me mentality. Uh, everybody recognizes that the Redskins is trying to improve, and he needs to get on board or, or do something. And I think uh, uh, he's, he's, he's looking like a bad guy on this. But uh, we can't wrap up the show on a bad note, so we're going to – Finish off the show on a good note and talk about my good friend slash little little brother from Howard University, Antoine Bethea. Got him a new deal this past week. Congratulations to him. Got him a, a restricted free agent. Uh, Safety signed a four-year deal worth $27 million, which will pay him about $18 million over the two, next two seasons. Uh, John, you met Bethea down at the Super Bowl. Uh, yep. You know I'm a big fan of Bethea, and I helped recruit him to Howard University and, and all that. But uh, I think this deal, Some guys sometimes guys get new deals. And they turn for the worst because they got their money. But I think this is only going to motivate Bethea due to the fact that he was drafted in the sixth round back in uh, 2006. Yeah, well, the Colts, Colts have really, uh, you know, focused on signing a lot of their defensive players. I give them a lot of credit for a team that's obviously known for their offense, and, and more so, uh, you know, for them to sign Bethea as yeah. Bethea as they're preparing to make Peyton Manning the, the richest player in the history of football. Well, John, let's go ahead and wrap up the show. You hear the music. I want to thank everybody out there for checking out Outside the Huddle with Lee Mott Williams and co-host John Inglesby. Have a blessed week, and remember, sports plus business equals wealth. Thanks for joining Outside the Huddle with Lee Mott Williams and co-host John Inglesby. 
We're back next week for another live show, Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Check back with us on the Voice America Sports Channel. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.